0: Clubhouse. Welcome back to another edition of Pod Clubhouse's coverage of This Is Us. This is for episode 606. That's season six, episode six. It was called Our Little Island Girl Part Two.
1: Oh. This was a Beth-centric episode and I was happy for it. I always love to learn more about Beth and she had some really big moments here that I feel like we can pull a lot of themes across the entire episode.
0: You might be interested to know that Susan Kalichi Watson co-wrote this episode.
1: That's fascinating. I love that she is taking a hand in Beth's past and and especially we get that little teeny tiny scene of the future of what goes on with Beth. So that's wonderful. I love it when an actor takes such ownership of the character that they want to actually give input.
0: There was some odd aspects to the storytelling in this one in that it's like they had to backfill some information in terms of how she all of a sudden had a pretty important job at the dance academy. That seemed kind of like a fast forward sports montage.
1: I agree with you in terms of that. The pacing of this episode, most especially at the beginning, my goodness, the cold open could have been an entire episode unto itself. And I don't know if people are going to be okay with that because this was Beth centric in the cold open. If they will feel like, you know, hey, she deserved a full episode. She didn't need to be rushed in the cold open. Like, why did you guys do this so quickly? But we got a ton of information just in the first couple minutes. What did you think about her becoming the head of the new student recruitment for the City Ballet of Philadelphia?
0: Well, I knew she wasn't done with dance, even though she had to close her own studio. And we knew from the flash forward that she was involved with a pretty big deal at some point in the future because the space that she had rented for the old studio did not match at all what we saw in the in the future. Now we see this is the place with the two story, you know, balconies like looking down. right? <laughs> um, and uh, so we needed to see how she got involved with that. So it's going to take a montage.
1: <laughs> it did feel like my heart was starting to race a little bit because we were filling in the gap so completely for Beth. Like, we know tomorrow could be the day from the last scene we saw she could be observing up there and get the call that says it's time to go and all that. The exact scene we've seen as the future scene for Rebecca's passing, Yeah, we all get it now that this is the setting this is the job she'll be doing this is what it all looks like and it's like oh we see that in the flash forward that she becomes the academic we're gonna say director in our screener we couldn't see her nameplate very very clearly there was like a glare on it but we think she becomes the academic director of the school and it looks amazing I mean she has that corkboard with all of these success stories and people that she has mentored and I mean it seems like such a fulfilling career that she She has found for this joy and love of dance that they show us that started with her father.
0: Any career in the arts where you are involved in the formative years of a young person and then you find out that they have gone on, I'm sure in sports too, but, but they've gone on to support themselves with that career is got to be such a fulfilling feeling because it's so hard. Yes. It's it's as hard as professional sports or something like that because people only pay to see the best of the best of the best when it comes to these roles, these jobs, ballet in particular. So having a corkboard as, as full as that would speak well to her capabilities as, a, as an educator in that, but also be very satisfying for her.
1: I love that you said educator because we did get the flashback back to her father on the beach talking about how she was dancing before she walked and it was so funny because I said that to you before he said it when he's like we turned on the music and I said oh she danced before she walked and then he's like you danced before you walked and I was like that is just wonderful I've heard that phrase used before with kids that um kids a lot of kids actually dance before they walk and sing before they talk because there's something about music and dance that is so primitive with us that we can do it before we actually have the technique to walk or talk. You can dance and sing. And I just thought it was such a beautiful little moment with him on the beach. And we've had such little glimpses of her father, but we know what an impact the loss of her father was.
0: He's always painted as just super supportive as as, the, as opposed to the realist portrayed by Fleish Rashad's character. He's always been the dreamer.
1: I was happy to have that little extra moment with Mr. Clark, if you will, her dad, and remind the viewers of that important foundation that she had, because that informed how she decided to be an adult in the lives of these young dancers, being that foundational person, the encourager, the one who's willing to stand by your side throughout everything, we also had this little reminder flash of her and Randall in Washington, D.C., where she got to see Vincent. And I have to remind our our listeners to go back, watch that episode where we find out about Beth's dance career and what happened with Vincent. Did you remember that Vincent was so cold to her when her father died? I
0: remembered that he moved on to the younger, skinnier, better, whatever, dancer I didn't remember the exact timing until she, she lined it out for me, but yeah, I remember that he was the kind of guy that, that would do that. And the way that he explains it later doesn't, doesn't (laughs) wash.
1: So one of the themes that we definitely picked up on was getting some closure or going back and revisiting a decision that was made and having an opportunity to speak to that decision. And for Beth, it was her decision and to quit dance I really want to make a distinction about Vincent, the character, versus any other adult figure you might have in your life as a kid. Because she had such an intensive dance career that she was with Vincent for such long periods of time over years. And that's very different than like, you know, some of us might say, well, I don't expect my soccer coach to be like my rock after something happens. I don't expect him to continue to do that for me. But in this case, because it's so long, their relationship, and it was such an intense relationship that you would have thought he would have some compassion and be able to do more for her. But also, I mean, I think it speaks to the cutthroat nature of, you know what? You guys are just raw talent. You're literally like meat that I need to put on stage and make money with. In many ways, you know when you become old enough to realize that they didn't necessarily care about you as an individual, but they cared more about what you brought, whether it be, you know, whatever kind of fame and money and whatnot to the school. Oof, that hurts. Do you think that Vincent had a responsibility to Beth as a young one to give her more of a chance? And were you proud that Beth called him and spoke to him so candidly?
0: I'll answer the second part first. Proud? Yeah. I'll say proud. That was some baggage that was holding her down, you know, in terms of unfinished business that made her feel kind of trapped in a memory that was terrible for her. And by doing that, she never needed to think about him again, you know? I do. And that's a release that is super awkward to go through for her. You could hear it in her voice in the phone call and that she didn't know where to start exactly or how to say it. But once she got going, she knew what she needed to say. And now it's released. It's over. She'll never think of Vincent again.
1: I hope that's true. I think that there's something to the saying that I've heard this many times, be the adult you needed as a kid. There's something about that that I see happening with Beth, where she has grown into the adult for so many children her own children and these ballet students that she needed when she was a kid. There's something so beautiful about that. And also, Vincent is still in the profession. I think it's okay, and even more than okay, she almost has like a professional responsibility. Now that she's in the same position of working with young students to say, you know what? I was a young student once and you did me wrong. You did me wrong. You shouldn't have walked away from me when it wasn't convenient for you. You shouldn't have made me feel like I was so disposable. That was wrong. I was a person and I put so much work and I gave you my all and you turned your back on me just because it would have taken an extra hour out of your life or it would have taken a little bit more compassion or empathy or maybe you would have had to push the show date out or something like that, right? Like you didn't do anything to help me through a terrible Time and that was wrong. I'm hopeful that Vincent, being still in the profession, maybe changes his ways with future students although he seemed to be like what would you expect me to do beth like brr, like not going to do it well, he
0: said it's not it wasn't my did he say my job or yeah. my role but it's not my job to coddle you like coddling is a different thing than offering condolences when a parent dies that's not coddling right. where did that's you come from normal. that that's coddling <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> no, I 100% agree with you. I mean, it seemed like when you looked back at that older footage back of those that past episode, when you realize how quickly he moved on, and I know you described her as like the younger, thinner ballet student, but in all honesty, Beth was the one. She was the favored one. It was just because she got a little bit complicated. She had some emotional baggage now because she had a parent pass away that she became inconvenient to him when you think about it in those terms, that is a really horrible teacher and mentor to have in your life.
0: This kind of episode makes you, unfortunately, revisit some of that unfinished business you have in your own life. And it's, I'm, (laughs) when I think of the maturity with which uh, Beth was able to handle it and release it, I only wish that uh, I might be able to if offered the chance to handle myself with as much grace as, as she did.
1: Do you feel like you have adults in your life or that many people? No,
0: have? I have, I have uh, peers from my, from my earlier oh. days that were I to see them again. I really honestly believe I would like to punch them right in the face.
1: <laughs> not tell them like you did me wrong and like, no, you no, no,
0: no, not like offer them a <laughs> soliloquy or anything like that. Just, oh. a, you know. I still think about that. And the right response at the time was to punch your face, but I didn't. So you have this coming.
1: Wow. Okay. That's a big deal. I think I want us to leave Beth here for a moment because, (laughs) well, I know the age range I think you're talking about. I know definitely middle school, but also that sort of like high school years that we're looking at. Kate and Kevin and Randall, that sort of like later teen years. Mm -hmm. Um, And so let's get into that a little bit, because that was a part of a flashback as well. We had Miguel and Kate and Kevin and Sophie, and they were all kind of hanging out, getting ready for Thanksgiving stuff. I was surprised to see this was a Thanksgiving episode. Were you? It feels so out of place for one.
0: (laughs) I wonder if next week is going to be real Thanksgiving.
1: I think it's going to be like Christmas. Oh, Don't you think we got to just move right on?
0: I think there's a lot of awkward moments to capture that might be worth capturing with going to Thanksgiving. You know, Kevin.
1: Don't go too far now. I want to talk about the teenage version, so don't go too far. Okay,
0: Okay. well, going to the teenage version then, this placeholder man, uh, Matt. Matt, if you will. um, Not
1: Beardo. (laughs)
0: Not Beardo. Um,
1: Nude face.
0: (laughs) With Rebecca. I mean, he's a nice enough guy. I'm sure he's, he's a catch in some, some ways. We know where they wind up and that, that that doesn't take place until you get a short haircut glasses, Rebecca. So some amount of time passes, kind of a lot of time passes. So even if they don't spell it out for us, you do get the idea that this may be the beginning of the divergence between Rebecca and Miguel's paths.
1: A hundred percent. I think the theme that we were picking up on in this section was split second decisions that change the trajectory of your life that would be what I would label this section of my little cross-stitch pillow. <laughs> so in that, we have this tiny moment of Matt, super casual date situation, where he just mentions that he would be basically eating a TV dinner alone. Rebecca, in that instant, wants to be polite and invites him to dinner. But in doing so alienates Miguel, and Miguel then invites Marguerite. You're right, 100%. This is where I see the split in the road. We were best friends, watching Emerald together, Brian and our turkey, and now, you know what? We're really putting ourselves on these paths with other romantic partners. Yes, we're still saying we're friends, but we're not gonna really look at each other like that. Whereas this could have been the first Thanksgiving with Miguel, Rebecca, and the kids, with no thought of an outside romantic partners. This could have been the start of Rebecca and Miguel's romantic relationship. And it just got yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: off in other directions.
0: In, in some ways, it might have been way too soon for them. In terms of, you know, he, he still has Jack on pretty much the same pedestal that she does in their psyches, right? And so the idea for him, think of Miguel. We obviously see him giving Matt the side eye mm-hmm. whenever that issue is brought up. But still, I think there's a mental hurdle between moving in on your best friend's gal so soon. I'm giving Caroline air quotes. Yeah. After, after he dies. So the timing there, even though there's a, such a long time before they come back together, this timing still may have not made sense.
1: Well, and we can see moving into Kate and Kevin, they're going through a lot right now. The scene on the couch when Kate says, are you going to say something about my weight? And Kevin says, do you want me to? And then then he goes, are you going to say something about my drinking? And Kate goes, do you want me to? And they decide to not say anything to each other, not hold each other accountable for what's going on with each other. I feel like that was a huge blinking neon light that Rebecca has a lot going on in her household that a romantic situation with Miguel is, A, not going to be welcome, and B, you have other fish to fry here.
0: Well, and those responses are very part and parcel to the. theme of this or one of the themes of this show, which is those those decisions those decisions made by younger versions of yourself. So those situations that younger versions of yourselves that the characters find themselves in need to be addressed later on and righted. you know we saw it with Beth to an extent we see it with both Kevin and, and Kate.
1: It's shocking to me how much their life has been shaped by those two individual decisions. Kate's weight and Kevin's drinking determines so much about what they think about every day, how they feel every day, the actions they take, the partners they choose. It's insane when you really can just like boil it down to one particular sentence each one of them says and realize that had an adult been there to step in and be the adult you needed in your life when you were young, how much that would have mattered to those two. It it actually makes me like have this little mini moment of the pandemic and feel like how many of us have put on weight or how many people do I know who are like, man, I really need to stop day drinking because you started something because it was only supposed to be something for this little bit of time. Two weeks. Going to be back to work in two weeks. Right. And you didn't realize how that snowball was going to get going. And I mean, I know in our own house, we're trying to get back to the gym, trying to be healthy, but like we have actual health problems (laughs) now that we didn't have before because of the way we were eating, because of the way we weren't walking and taking care of our bodies more and and that type of thing. And it's like, wait a minute, wait. <laughs> it was just a sentence on the couch. Like, do you just want to keep getting pizza every night? <laughs> like, <laughs> huh? huh? Why didn't we have an adult step in? But how quickly a simple choice of saying, you know what, I don't really think I want to bring that up right now. And then you blink and it's two years later. And Uh, Thank goodness, you know, now with social media and stuff like that, people are talking and being like, "Uh, are you drinking too much? Did you gain too much weight? Like, even if your friends and your family aren't saying it to you, the world is being like, maybe you ought to take a look at that.
0: Judgy world.
1: (laughs) But the thing is like, man, when that happened, Paul, I really, I like kind of clutched my pearls because I was like, God, how much has been shaped by just those two sentences?
0: On the flip, though... What would have happened had they held each other accountable, like you say, mm-hmm. but then they just end up alienating each other and digging in?
1: Well, I mean, you could go that way, right? Like, so everything. A lot of people do. But everything's like a little branch off, right? Everything's like a little fork in the road. So at that point, you're right. They made the decision to not call each other out on the carpet, to just yeah. be like, these are our coping mechanisms. This is what we're doing, right? And you're right. That fork could have gone another direction. And then there's an additional fork, one where things go better. And are successful in having brought it up. One, where things go really south for bringing it up. As we normally know in these, especially drinking in weight, I think it always goes south first, right? <laughs> no one wants to be held accountable right. for those things.
0: No one gets that, <laughs> that first red flag.
1: Right. <laughs> the
0: first red flag is notorious for being ignored. <laughs>
1: right, right. And then, and and you're pissed. You're like, what are you? who are you to bring this up with me, right? Like, get out of my face. I do want to point out that the actress who's playing Teenage Kate has some awesome stuff up on her Instagram showing her transformation of weight gain It was fascinating. She said she had to spend like several hours in the chair to put on all the face prosthetics. And of course she's wearing like extra weight around her middle and stuff. So Mm, it's- That's
0: pretty seamless. I've seen different kinds of- makeup in my day impressive
1: and, right yeah give yeah. them a lot of credit guys go check out on instagram you can find it all this is us postings and stuff and you can actually watch like they have like a time lapse post where you can see her getting all the prosthetics put on and everything you're right super seamless really great and again we're watching uh screeners so a lot of times when we're watching all of the special effects aren't done yet so it could have been like things could have been like with creases and stuff that they were still going to smooth over and i can tell you it looks great you really can't tell anything but Let's get back to Kevin and Kate and other decisions they're making. Most specifically Mr. Kevin, I didn't realize the affair was so early. Like I knew they busted because of an affair? Yes. But I don't think I realized they busted because of an affair like right away. Right away. Yeah, did you did you know that?
0: No. No, I didn't. I didn't know the timing.
1: And I don't know how long before they actually divorce, like if they flounder for a while or whatever, but I had no idea. For some reason... I always equated the cheating portion of him to be when what I assumed was going to be like when he became successful. Like, you know, they showed him like partying with people in bikinis and stuff like that. And in my brain, I was thinking, oh, that is probably when the cheating would have started. Well, I thought like, it was
0: definitely early. I just didn't take it I didn't when they think were it like, was like year 18. One, yeah,
1: right. like I just, oof. Mm, for, the, for the rush they were to get married goodness the bloom was off the rose awfully fast
0: i mean yeah that's part of why you why it's okay to hate teenage kevin regardless what any listener tells us (laughs) the dude dragged her out to california Yeah, you know she's out there alone he's her only lifeline and he's doing that to her that is a piece of shit that's the textbook definition
1: I was really surprised and really disappointed. Now, what did you think about this fly in the ointment about Kate knowing something about it and not telling Sophie? Do you feel like she had a responsibility to tell Sophie or a responsibility to her brother to be quiet?
0: Well, this is another example of the theme of of adults making decisions versus people with less experience making decisions. And we see Kate go another way when she's older, which we'll talk about in a minute. But now she doesn't really have the perspective of how to deal with this big life situation. She knows she's mad at her brother. She knows she has a friend. And all she does is side with her brother. Given her life experience up to that point, I guess I have to give her give her full marks for doing what she knew how to do, which was side with family. And it, I'm sorry. Could she have done more? Yes. Obviously, she could have done more in a a smooth way where it wasn't just like ignoring it, just more like you need to go talk to Kevin or something.
1: Or Uh. I would even say, take the onus off of her and say, why doesn't she go like say, hold on one second, go in the other room and say, Kevin, you need to go talk to Sophie right now. Because either me or you are going to have to tell her what's going on here. could have happened that way. However, I agree with you wholeheartedly that she is a kid at this point. And the only thing we understand is you're supposed to be blood is thicker than water, right? You're supposed to side with your family. You're not supposed to be telling secrets, dirty laundry about your family. And Sophie's been her friend and is technically, you know, I mean, she is her sister-in-law, but I understand Kevin is saying, please don't say anything. It's clear to me that in that conversation, Kevin is sort of intimating, like, he's going to have to say something, like, this isn't working. So I kind of felt like it was coming to tell her. But boy, I did not expect him to just turn around and tell her right away. Did you? No. Right there at Thanksgiving?
0: No. If you, if you think about, like, the timeline of their little lives, even though we don't get these flashbacks sequentially, and we haven't seen these actors in quite a while, actually, they are just spitting distance away from, like, high school relationship dynamics. And the fact that Kate came out of all that bullshit and still sided with family first is actually kind of OK, because a lot of kids have that have there was they're just months away from passing notes in class. You know,
1: A 100 percent. I really don't think she had another option in that moment. And I think it's kind of crummy that Sophie's being equally immature and being like, you should have told me everything like. I don't... How would that have been better? Like, Sophie, this situation is bad. It's really, really, really bad. But it wouldn't have been better to hear it from his sister. I mean, you know? she only
0: found out a couple of minutes before. Right. And really, if this had played out over like a week or something... I bet right. it would have eaten that, Kate and, and she would have had some time and her teenage brain would have come up with something.
1: This is what I'm going to kind of call the show out on the pacing of it, because this is the type of thing where I actually think had we had a full season last season and had things not have to get rushed here as we know they're being rushed. We know that because last season was cut short. I think that the true way this probably happened probably was over the course of the entire Thanksgiving weekend. Mm -hmm. So Thursday to Sunday, Kate knows and it's gnawing at her and all this stuff is happening. Right. But they have to fast forward everything so quickly that it was like literally walking from one room to the next. And then it was all revealed. Well, that makes it so crazy. And Sophie's already left. It's like, what? <laughs> right. I mean, I think the pacing of this episode affected this. And maybe we would have Dan Vogelman come out and say, no way. This is exactly how I always envisioned it from day one. It was going to be a split second between here and there. And then the, the truth would be out there. But something tells me that you're right about the eating at her like it would have made sense and maybe she even eats more at Thanksgiving dinner or does something like that where her emotion feeds her eating you know Mm, we might have seen something more maybe Kevin's drinking more over the weekend because we're seeing that like you know where you're kind of understanding like these people are trying to keep it together but their coping skills are very limited right now they're very young they don't know what to do so man we have Sophie taking off we have Miguel and Rebecca sort of figuring their way out a little bit of the situation where they're kind of being like, we can be best friends, but we're not being romantic. And that's kind of where we leave our flashback at the time. Well,
0: and I feel a little ooky seeing you with someone else. I don't know why, but I do.
1: Yeah. And I think that that was fair to throw in there. I think the kids are not going to be kind to Matt. (laughs) So might I might be
0: one and done. He might be looking at that hungry man being like, I wish I had gone I with have the been
1: hungry man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see I've got that the happening. Microwave
0: timing down Pat. <laughs> right. So no I hassle. I just don't
1: need this stress in my life. I got divorced for a reason. <laughs> I didn't need uncomfortable family moments in my back life.
0: To prostitutes, oh no.
1: Oh my back to hardware store pickup lines, right? That's how yeah. she, that's how she originally met him. Okay, so... Let's move forward and talk about the adult versions of these families and and these individuals, because we definitely have some differences with Kevin, Kate and Beth in the way that they handle things as they grew up. Let's start with Kevin and Kate there. Okay, Talk about that reboot of the nanny and uh, the manny. We kept calling him Beardo, but it's actually Elijah. Elijah. Let's give him a name, because as he pointed out, if we're all just waiting around, trying to bide our time for him to leave, he's not leaving. So best learn his name.
0: Yeah. I mean, when a girl above your station is interested, you just hook your claws right in (laughs) and you just stay, man.
1: Is this a familiar thing for you?
0: I have some experience in that department, Elijah.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. You would also be wowed by the gumball machine, I think. He'd be like, (laughs) "Whoa,
0: Man, if I had an awkward friend that invited me to a TV taping like that, I would definitely be all about Playing with the props and asking the dumb questions and all that. Sorry, I would be. Okay, so the issue for present day Kevin is who are the kids gonna spend Thanksgiving with? And this is a big deal. And so we get this same sort of thing where there's information that has changed hands, Kate's stuck in the middle, and who who's she supposed to side with now that we're all 40-ish, and we can't act like we're not holding people to a higher standard than we did when we were 18.
1: I mean, I think Madison was pretty crummy to talk about any of this stuff at the taping. Uh, I think that was what we were supposed to feel as the audience, right? I mean, it was clear that this was very stressful and she could have just been like, Let's go along to get along until the end of the day. Right. We could just said, I can't wait to fly on the plane. It's going to be so great in Pennsylvania. At the end of the day, say, you know, all that stuff I said, I said it because I didn't want to throw you right before your taping. But here's the reality of the situation. And then you just spill the beans. Then
0: he's a highly emotional guy. Yeah. He's doing a job where he has to have this clear mind. It's not surgery, but I mean, he has fucked this up before. You know, in terms of letting his emotions get the better of him in front of the huge audience. And there's a lot of other people with their careers tied up in what you do tonight. And so you coming and upsetting him right before that could have gone pretty badly for not just him, not just you, but everyone else you see there.
1: Yeah. I mean, that he could have thrown a huge fit. Like on the set, he could have tanked a thousand things could have happened. I mean, good on him for being able to be more professional. That's again, a huge change from what we saw at the beginning of all of this, when he really, he couldn't take the stress and nope, he just threw that's it right. all away. Yep. This time, horrible things were happening to him, but he kept it together and he actually did a great job. At least according to Madison, he did a great job. Yeah. So what do you feel like about this whole, where should they be having Thanksgiving and what Madison's feelings are? And Kate sort of with the whole, she deserves to be making her own memories now. What do you think?
0: Uh, You know, I'm not a divorced parent or anything like that, but we have some in our sphere. So we do hear some of these conversations time and time again and depending on who you're related to or still related to, you get kind of one take or the other. But what I'm thinking of is she has them for like all of the non-special days and then she wants to take the special days too. I think I come down with Kevin on this one, like feeling like shafted in this in this deal. And his argument about Rebecca maybe not having very many meaningful holidays left, especially with her grandchildren like that. Although it's kind of a low blow in this conversation, it's almost one of those things. It's, it's such a low blow that it shouldn't have needed to be said. I I recognize the validity of all of Kate's arguments on behalf of Madison, but I'm sticking with Kevin on this one. Like even if she didn't want to come and he was like, okay, I'll take the twins just on my own steam and you can do you know, Beardo Day, that's an option that they didn't decide to try to explore that I think could have worked.
1: I got a whole other option for you that I think could have worked out. For one thing, Kevin's family has an established tradition that it goes back decades. He has a mother who is on the brink of not being alive anymore at this point, right? Or at least not remembering enough to participate in the way that she could have before. It's 100% great for Madison and Elijah and the twins to start their lives together, 100%. But I don't think that that has to be exclusionary to Kevin's family's traditions. I feel like they could have worked it out where it was like, whoever is the smaller party, which is Madison, Elijah, and the kids, they're more flexible. Why can't they have their Thanksgiving on Tuesday or on Saturday? why does it have to be on thanksgiving when it's just the four of you you know like Mm -hmm. what's the big deal why not make it where they could have their tradition and also when you have like how many it's like a dozen pearsons that you're trying to work around if that whole group is going to be in one location on one day Can't you at least be cool enough to just say like, obviously, there's a lot more schedules over here that we're trying to deal with. Let's have that, but also have Elijah and Madison and Kids Day too. It doesn't make sense to me whenever there's families who feel like it's like you have to do one or the other. I feel like we've always split it. We've always been like, well, we're definitely going to do it. but whoever If you have like 25 people meeting at one place and three people meeting at the other, well, the three people can tend to be a little more flexible about when you do it and how you do it, right? right? Or if someone has an established family way where we go to a specific location on a specific day with our specific hat, then why would you be so hellbent on wrecking that tradition? Why can't it be your tradition and my tradition? I don't know. I felt very uncomfortable about that. Maybe that's like... 3.0 for them like if the teenagers were like the littlest version and then you've got this this you know adult version where you're like fine you can just have them blah, blah blah like that kind of business i feel like the next level up is what are we doing thanksgiving really takes the course of a couple of days right people end up hanging out for a couple of days there's really no nothing special about thursday you know like you can have them on saturday i'll take them thursday and friday you have them saturday and sunday We've all done Thanksgiving weekend, you know, Mm -hmm. why not? It it kind of reminded me back to the Beth and Randall thing we talked about last week when we said there's something in between, you know, them not seeing each other at all versus Deja and Malik, you know, are living together, moving to another state, you know, like there's something in between. And I feel like this is the same thing. Also, it was the first time I really realized that because Madison and Kevin were never married and there's no like formal custody Paperwork or anything that I'm aware of, I don't really know how this works because the instances you were giving an example of really had all to do with like what the court said. Right. Who has them on what day. And so that's the only reason why a primary caregiver has them more days or whatever. But in this case.
0: Do the mother's rights, are they just exclusionary? And it's just sort of like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And it's obviously state by state.
1: I don't know how this works and i don't know how they're supposed to figure it out other than just like handshake deals and trying to be empathetic for each other's situations madison they have painted a very interesting brush over her about rebecca I said this last time, too, where I was like, I was kind of surprised she didn't break a little bit more when he was like, my mom had this terrible scan and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I understand. But she stayed very backed off. Same with this. When he's like, this could be my mom's last Thanksgiving. And she's like, I'm aware of your mom. And there wasn't like, it didn't phase her. It didn't change her mind. I was like, wow, Madison, you have some cojones, man. Like to just be able to be completely unmoved by Rebecca and her whole situation. Fascinating. It makes me wonder if Madison and Kevin could have ever made it in this family as a couple. Mm. Because I kind of look and be like, I don't know, man, Madison, like, were you ever going to really get on board the Pearson train?
0: You know, some people with the kind of relationship that she has with her parents, which is very detached, Mm -hmm. when they come across a parental figure that's willing to have them, they're, they're like, I'll take that. Sure, I like that. But maybe she's not like that
1: well except for like okay they showed that little blip when rebecca and kate were like helping her pick out her dress and she was like super thrilled to have rebecca be a part of her life rebecca was like super motherly do you remember that yeah like almost like brushing her hair behind her ears sitting on the couch kind of thing it was like super maternal and then it to be like two seconds later and i understand man there has got to be some major scorched earth about kevin ultimately it being like yeah i just couldn't love you I mean, there is some serious healing that had to go on with Madison from that. Yeah. And maybe in that case, we have to just say, good on her for having some boundaries and saying, your family <laughs> is yours and isn't something I actually want to be a part of. Fair. I wasn't good enough for you.
0: Fair. I mean, she's always been Kate's friend, and I guess maybe she's happy with that. We haven't actually seen any of that relationship this whole
1: Not one-on-one, right. Not so much. And even like when they had the get together at Kate's house, like Kevin invited Madison to come and she was like, no, even though Kate and Madison are friends. So it's like, she is kind of drawing lines in the sand in a different way than just being, well, I'm just going to be Kate's friend. I don't know. This was a lot. I I feel like it's something that's going to...
0: I don't want to cut you off. I know. I wonder if Madison has been adapted or rethought or retconned or or what because if you think about like the the girl that we we met at the overeaters meeting who was made herself into Kate's friend and then has had moments of sort of this outgoing type personality when she needs to but then she hosts fantasy novel book club does that wash with you? Do you? Do you... <laughs> does that? Does that fit? Does these two parts line up? Maybe I'm just making stuff up. But
1: no, I don't think we had a good sense of Madison before. That's and, probably it. So I don't. I don't know if it's exactly retconning so much as just we didn't really know her, and that was kind of the point. I mean, she was a one night stand that well, turned could be. into this.
0: Here's another alternative. That's probably it. All right, see if this catches your fancy. She could be like a fantasy novel introvert that can pump herself up to do extrovert things, but is much more comfortable, like we see her now at home watching Netflix taking care of babies and not having the big hullabaloo of, of dealing with, you know, going to meetings and having to try to make friends. Cause she was always very nervous acting when she was trying to do those make friends moments with Kate, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I guess what I'm saying is that I'm reading and it may have oh, so many factors. The, the mother <laughs> part, the later Time period. Like the I don't
1: know. Part. I mean, of just everyone staying home.
0: But she doesn't have that same uh eager to please, in your face, frantic. What do they call it? Manic pixie dream girl energy that she had in the first several seasons.
1: Okay, you I follow me? I do hundred percent. I, I think it has to do with being shut down by Kevin, though. While it wasn't as dramatic as physically being stood up at the altar, she was essentially stood up at the altar. And so, I, I mean, they kind of both were. It's super weird when you look at it that way. But she was like, I'm not going to marry. Who, jilted who? Kind of. <laughs> but, you know, I think she learned a lot. And I think she's tired of the antics. I think a lot of the stuff that was very charming and exciting now is just annoying and extra I don't think she wanted to go to the taping of the Manny. I don't I don't think she wants Elijah to be gushing all the time all over Kevin. Like I think she's very over it. She wasn't like, ooh, show me the gumball machine. You know, she was like, mm-hmm. Just because she's seen behind the curtain and she doesn't think it's all so exciting and glamorous. There's a lot of heartache involved with what's going on with her and Kevin. I hope that these two figure out a way to smooth it out between the two of them. Obviously, we've seen in the flash forward when they say like, where's your mom and stuff like that, there seems to be an ease in which they're, they're talking like that. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't seem to be like when no one's spitting out, you know, where's your mother kind of thing, you know? So hopefully that means things kind of smooth out. We were do this in this relationship and that she was obviously moving forward. And Kevin, as Elijah points out, seems to just be maybe biding his time because why isn't he moving on? I mean, he 100% is eyes on what's going on over here. Now, with Cassidy, what if Cassidy had said, you know what, I'm all yours, take me. Would he even give a shit about what was happening for Thanksgiving?
0: As far as his kids are concerned, yeah. Maybe that Toby advice about him needing to think of his family as him and the kids You know, the triangle. Yes. Maybe he needs to think about that a little better and not wrap Madison into those plans, except as far as the planning portion, you know, making sure that it all works, but not tying her into you fly up to the cabin with the kids business. Now, no one can fly with twin babies. And by themselves, very easily. It's it's not a it's not an easy to do thing.
1: Well, I assume that Kevin would have flown with them. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: But I was thinking about my plan of um, him taking them by himself. Right. He might need help, but you know he's wealthy. He can he can take care of that. I'm sure. Still, I think our discussion was uh, revolving around their more mature decisions, or at least more mature than they were when they were kids. Kate brokering. This this understanding that Kevin didn't have on his own rather than leaving him to sink or swim by himself. That's new. Even though she's having her own troubles with Toby, that Kevin's presence in her life isn't exactly helping. It's not hurting, but it's not helping anything.
1: Well, we don't know if it's hurting. We don't really know. I mean, let's let's take a pause here for just a moment and talk a little bit about Kate and Toby and where we are now. They have
0: shoved Toby's head right up his ass, haven't they?
1: Well, everything was so subtle, you know, like it was all glances. It was all three word sentences of like, it's going bad. Yeah. (laughs) Or whatever the whole earbud thing. Although I have to say that that earbud thing did remind me of the Sophie, Kevin, Kate triangle in terms of like, Kevin was saying the thing that Kate had said to Toby and saying like, you know, that's hurting your relationship, what you're doing over there, you know, like that kind of thing. And it was not well received, (laughs) you know, that's the, it goes south first, you know, it always goes south first. What is going on with Kate and Toby? I mean, we know they're not going to be together. This has been discussed ad nauseum. What are they setting us up here for? We know the green egg sitch is coming.
0: The physical distance is creating emotional
1: distance. But also when he's home, he's not really home. Yeah, I mean, he's walking around doing work and, and doing all this stuff. And it's very unclear. He's certainly not participating. He wasn't sitting there enjoying the meal when they're having brunch. You know, they weren't really like he was standing at the table, just picking off the plates, you know. Oh, are you feeling nervous that he gets you have some nerves in your belly about it? Or are you just like, well, well, we
0: know something's coming and they're making Toby kind of easy to dislike right now. He's still having those moments, you know, kissing heads and whatnot about being some of the same Toby that we used to know, but he's kind of embodying that clash between family and career. That's often, you know, associated with say women, right? Can you have a meaningful relationship with kids and have this super accelerated career, but it's really a parent issue. And he's showing what it looks like when you put your pedal to the metal on career, and pay very little attention to what's happening at home.
1: This is a real issue. I mean, I feel like I don't want to cast much judgment on this because we've had different times in our own household when, you know, there you do not have a choice but to put your head down and do what needs to be done for work. You know, you've brought home work over Christmas holidays, you know, and we've just had to say, this is what you need to do right now because work does matter. I mean, it, we do have to have money. I was, I had a bad mom's on for like 10 seconds this afternoon and the other moms are kind of mocking Mila Kunis for working and she's like, well, I have to work because, you know, money. I don't know how people are supposed to balance work and family, Because there are times in your career, I kind of think of it like Pac-Man or something, when you eat the fruit or something and you're like invincible and you've got to go, 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 right? There's like these different points when you have to put the pedal to the metal or else your career is not going to go anywhere. Or, you know, they just expect, I think your 30s and 40s, it is 100% expected that you are showing up there and you're doing everything you have to do. If those are also your prime parenting years, uh I don't know how anyone's supposed to do this, you know right, and not feel like neglected and not feel left behind and and all this stuff. I would like to know what Elijah does. <laughs> he's always available. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, when I'm looking at Kate and Toby, I'm shaking my head. I'm just seeing it's a, it feels like a very age old story of just losing touch with one another during super busy working years. And this, it just happens. And I, I don't think that Toby necessarily has his head up his ass. I think he's working really, really hard, you know, and he's trying to make this work for his family. I mean, we do know what's going to happen. That's the terrible thing. But it's sad to watch this start to disintegrate.
0: I mean, we know uh, that we've seen Toby have a low affinity for how to deal with his blind child. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're being super cynical, and I guess we can because we have a blind child ourselves, we could say that that work is actually the soft place to land. You know, it's the easy thing. It's the thing where he grooves so he feels better. Doing that. So he does that.
1: Interesting. Well, that's definitely something that I, I mean, as the stay at home parent, I don't want to say anything about that. But as a working parent, do you feel like that is a thing that a lot of special needs families maybe experience?
0: Hmm. I don't want to cast that stone, but I would say that that is something that any person feels, regardless of special needs or not, but maybe difficulty of any kind at home versus they know all the answers at work. People turn to them for answers that they can't find anywhere else. They feel like they get stuff done, when, they, but when they look at home, it's one problem after another that they just feel ill-equipped for. And I think that might be what we're seeing with, with the Tobster here. You know, he doesn't have any idea what to do with babies, blind babies, what have you. But meanwhile, he's taking calls 24 hours a day from people that want to know what he has to say.
1: Well, I mean, they did say he was making some sort of deal between multiple like time zones and international time zones and all this stuff. So, I mean, I guess it has to be done this way. And because I guess if it was Sunday when they're having brunch or something, it's Monday elsewhere, So I guess he has to be doing this in some way. I'm trying to be cool with Toby. I'm trying not to have the attitude of like, you know, he's being absentee or he's being like a horrible person, because I think there's a lot of people who are going to see themselves in Toby, whether it's that, you know, yeah, I'm not the stay at home parent. This isn't my wheelhouse. I don't know how to do kids, but I'm. The provider. I'm the one that brings home the money. And that's important too. So I don't want to be like belittled because I'm doing that part of my job. But you're right that there has to be some amount of balance in our own household. I think we make such a huge deal about having two parents being with the kids that I don't know that every household needs that or that every parent feels like they're contributing in a positive way. You know, like Mm -hmm. maybe the best thing Toby can do right now is bring home more money. And maybe that's the best way he can help Jack right now.
0: Maybe. But these moments, these years, these times of, of the baby's lives... I mean, you hear it. It's, it, it's so trite. It's, (laughs) you know, it's cliche. Our kids are 18 and
1: 1919 right now. So we're having a lot of cats in the cradle kind of times. I was just having this conversation in the car with my son about cousins. And I was like, you know, when my cousins were young, we used to hang out and play all the time. And now we're all adults and we live in the same town, but I barely ever see them. So You know, the fact that you guys are young teenagers, you know, you're all in teenagers, like keep hanging out together, like don't like not see each other or hang out or do things because when you become adults, it's like super hard to want to hang out with each other again. So you're right. Timing goes by so fast. And, you know, we know with blind children and deafblind children, that physical touch and, and knowing, you know, a parent's smell and having those interactions are so important that it's very difficult to have Toby be away. For some reason, I find myself leaning into this was just a sad but natural course to this relationship where it was just too difficult and their roles became too divergent and then they didn't end up being able to stay together as a family. Mm -hmm. Kind of Toby's triangle talk that I want Kate and the kids to be okay. I want Toby to be okay. I'm having a hard time because I don't want to blame any of them. You know, I just want to be like... This was a hard set of circumstances.
0: Right. I mean, they didn't plan on the blind baby, but they did adopt the baby pretty much on purpose.
1: And I know he chose a job far away. And I know, again, going back to sort of the the whole, like, there wasn't only like a, a this way or that way to do things. Kevin offered up that in-between way of like, what if we all kind of lived in the same situation and we pulled our money for nannies and, you know, and Toby could do it in a different way. Like, there was other suggestions on the table. Not that it all would have worked. Obviously, Madison and Kevin didn't stay together. But in a way, they tried to create their own little compound, you know, with him living in the garage. I don't know. It's a messy, messy situation. I'm trying to be understanding of all of the characters' point of views. Yeah. And I think they did a good job, like, with Kate explaining Madison's point of view of, like, she deserves to be loved. She deserves to have time with Elijah and form memories with him and create traditions of their own. It's fair to give her this time. Those, like, moments of explaining each person, because we know that this is us of it all— that these different characters represent people out in the world, I'm glad they're giving them a moment to be like... We see you, Madisons of the world. We're not hating on you. We're not saying you're a bad person because you don't want to be in the big family tradition. We're going to give you some lines of dialogue here that explain your point of view. And I think that's smart because I think otherwise a lot of people might turn their TV off, you know? Right. So let's circle back to Beth for just a second because I do want to talk about that whole be the person that you needed when you were a kid portion again. I want to talk about that one particular ballerina that she was living vicariously through, throughout most of this episode. What did you think when that ballerina was on stage and she stumbles?
0: I didn't, I didn't exactly expect her to to stumble, but the way that Beth handled it was completely uniquely Beth in that it was strong and decisive and supportive. I know you've heard the phrase, those that can do and those that can't teach I was reminded of that in this episode, because if that's your mantra, if you believe that, fuck you.
1: <laughs> I was going to say like, God, as a teacher, I felt like my heart hurts didn't you? and I hear that.
0: Just turn us off, man. You don't deserve to listen to our podcast.
1: <laughs> oh my Lord.
0: Because, man, the importance of purposeful, meaningful educators in people's lives, they demonstrate in this episode, and it's not for TV. I mean, yeah, it's a TV script, but this is how it works. When people offer the scaffolding around something that, that just needs a little bit of support at the beginning... It can turn out to be a skyscraper, which is what that ballerina that needed that do over turned into in the in the flash forward. And that's what happens in real life.
1: That type of talk absolutely hurts my heart when I hear that old sad mantra, because I don't, I don't believe that at all. I mean, I think that educators do all day long, but becoming the facilitator of someone else's dream is not a step down. It's not even a step to the side. It's just part of the process, you know, part of the cycle, hopefully. And that's why she was, I think, so disappointed with Vincent, because he took himself out of the cycle of life in terms of like, you're the student, you're the mentor, you're the facilitator. He like threw away or kind of broke their cycle, if you will, by not finishing it out, by not seeing her either comfortably into leaving dance or into letting her have her moment on stage, but like giving her that scaffolding, like you said, providing the support when she needed it and saying, I'm not going to walk away from you just because you've had an obstacle in your way now. Because the reality is, All of us have obstacles at different points in time. It's insane to say, I'll only be your mentor provided you have the smoothest journey ever with no obstacles at all. What kind of mentor? I mean, (laughs) guess what? And I don't need you. Right. I didn't need you in the first place. If I was never going to have a time when I was going to stumble or I was going to have the death of a parent or I was going to have trouble in school or a health issue or whatever it is. My God, isn't that exactly when a mentor should be stepping in? And I have to say, I was getting like Winnie the Pooh feelings when Beth said, I'll just sit here with you and I'll sit here with you as long as you want me to, because that's like a whole piglet and Pooh and Eeyore interaction that they have a lot of times where you don't have to say what's wrong. You don't have to explain anything to me. I'll just sit next to you. And I'll just be here for you. And that's something that Vincent like just, he just walked off in a second. And how powerful, I mean, how powerful to be an audience member in that stage, right? At that moment when to see someone come out, not escort her off stage in embarrassment, not have an adult come out and say, close the curtain, close the curtain, close the curtain, but just everyone can just witness for a moment, somebody having a problem working through it and everybody having the patience and the respect to let her start over. Whoa, that's a big deal. Nobody does that. How how much better would the world be if they did? You know, because then you would have examples. Then if you were in the audience and you were a little kid, you would say, oh my gosh, it's okay to stumble and fall because I can just redo. It's okay. I I can see what's happening. No one's getting up and leaving. She's not being yelled at. She's just going to start over. And as an adult, my God, how heartwarming to be like, this is the school I want my kid to be at where when they stumble or they fall, it's okay. We'll just try again. It's totally okay. Kudos to them for showing a new way of handling it. Because I think the way you and I would have grown up with TV, Beth would have like thrown a blanket over her head and like gotten her off the stage, right? Right. Or someone would have like quickly pulled or for a hot second, I thought Beth was going to come out and start dancing around her. I don't know why. What even is that? But something was like, oh, somehow they're going to create a diversion to let her get out of the situation without being so embarrassed. Never did it cross my mind that they were going to have a scenario where the where the ballerina was going to sit in her sadness, in her embarrassment, and then start again with everyone just chilling out about it.
0: It kind of reminds me of that piano recital we went to for Nell, our neighbor. Oh
1: my goodness. She's so adorable. She's
0: 80 something. Now she's
1: probably 90 something. She's
0: uh, a PhD in music. She's been playing piano since, uh, what'd she say, like 70 something years at that time? Yeah.
1: She was like five or something.
0: And she, she had never gotten to play a recital where she got to pick the music that she got to play. She was always told. You know play this, play that, and so she was playing the music she wanted to play, and there was something that she'd never played in front of anybody else, and at one point, her fingers betrayed got, her they got all tangled <laughs> up, yeah, and she just stopped playing, and she goes "Rats, and then she just like counted herself off and then picked up again right after that that is only that is the grace the that age can can offer a performer. Unfortunately, you have to be 80 before you get there, I think.
1: Well, maybe that's, Uh, you know, hopefully that's what the show is showing us, though, is that you don't have to be. And in fact, you could be in this situation tomorrow. One of our kids could stumble and fall in the middle of playing a sport or doing their homework or reciting something in front. And you can either be embarrassed and escort them away and shamefully try to explain it to everyone. Or you can just stand there next to them and say, you can start over. It is no big deal. It's okay. And like, wow, I don't think that that's been an option. I don't feel like our parents taught us that was an option. I think everybody deserves that chance to be like, it's okay. All we want you to do is the best of your ability, whatever that is, even if you're not the one is the star of the show. That's okay. It's completely okay. Because the worst is Beth's outcome where she walked away for so many decades Because she was embarrassed. And I feel like you've had somewhat of that experience when it comes to music where maybe you didn't feel like, you know, you did a tryout or whatever. And it felt like, well, I didn't get accepted now then I'm done and I'm not going to play for a long time. That's true. Well, what if they just stood next to you and said, try it again. It's okay. Instead of being like one and done, cut next, cut next. Like what if somebody actually had the patience to be cooler than that would it have changed everything for you it could have that's what this episode meant to me i think that's what i got out of it and i you know what we normally talk about predictions now i feel like this was so fast and furious i don't know where we go from here do you I kind of
0: think we got to go to an actual Thanksgiving episode.
1: You do? Okay, so we're actually going to sit down at dinner and we're going to do this with like Matt and Marguerite and everybody. You
0: think? (laughs) Yeah, I I think so. I think we have to see that moment when Miguel and Rebecca see each other with these dates and are like, I don't think I can keep seeing you date. Maybe they don't say it, but they start to act that way. And that creates just that distance and that time that we know comes to pass. If we go to the cabin, heck, we know who's at the cabin Cassidy. Cassidy.
1: So who knows what's going to happen? Maybe it's all for the good that Madison, Elijah, and the twins figure their way back in L.A. Because maybe we got to let Cassidy figure her way out. But again, we brought up Sophie. Now, my goodness, if we're going to bring in a young young Sophie.
0: I was thinking the same thing.
1: uh, Are you feeling it? Are you feeling it's like whenever they kind of like dip their toe back in, they just might be pulling Sophie out for the next script?
0: Maybe. Because Cassidy might be so entrenched in needing to have her darkness or whatever she mentioned in that episode. Yeah,
1: she's going through a lot.
0: But she can offer Kevin perspective that no one else can, right? In that if she is there for Thanksgiving, it is because she is there without her kid because her husband has the kid. That would give them something to commiserate about, but I think that she won't have much patience for it, whatever his whining is going to be. Okay. And I think she's going to be able to tell him, Something that he needs to hear. I don't know what it is. That's just my guess.
1: There was a lot of people being told the thing they needed to hear this week. And I very much look forward to next week. This is Caroline.
0: And this is Paul. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Audible, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us the highest rating so other people can find it and enjoy it.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production.